Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet. I'm your host. Today I am interviewing, well, to be honest, I already interviewed him yesterday, but today's guest is Orban Isma, aka Orb. He is a body suspension artist, illustrator, web designer, code dude. He does all kinds of stuff. Um, but I think primarily he's known for his, his body suspension work. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. <clears throat> so we had a great discussion about that and about NFTs, of course, and uh, um, all kinds of stuff. So it's a really great interview. Super cool guy. Really enjoyed talking with him. So that is uh, coming up on the show. So what's been going on with me uh, since last time I spoke? Uh, well, not much. Same old, same old. Not even worth going into. Just the same thing. Just, you know, working, basically. Um, working a little bit less, though. Going to bed really early. It's been a life changer. Getting up super early, going to bed early. It's been great. So I feel a lot better uh, than I have been for a while because I'm slowing down, as I said on that other podcast. Uh, so there's really not much to say. Uh, oh, except uh, I will remind you that we have Skull Shop, skullshop.com. S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E.com for all of your skull supplies. Um, yes, that's it. S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. Uh, they are sponsoring the show, and they will give away, at the end of this month, we'll give away a human skull. Or It's not a real human skull, but they look totally real. Um, we're going to uh, give away, or they're going to give away a skull to anyone who joins at the $5 level on the Patreon. And you can join at patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And you can join for as little as a dollar. But you can also join for $5 and, and have a chance at getting a skull. Where's my skulls at? Okay, here's one. For those of you watching the video, I love this skull. This is one of my favorite skulls. I always use it for reference. It's totally realistic looking. Um, I love it. I think it's like a teenager skull or something, but I just love it. Anyway, they make the best skulls. My favorite skulls. So that's it. Um, so uh, yeah, new subscribers. Let's get on with the new subscribers. See how bad I am at this. I don't know what I'm doing, really. Okay, let me check in with uh, um, Percasso the Mundane, who keeps track of this for me because he's such a nice guy. Frau Sacra was our last subscriber we left off on. So let's see if we got any new ones this week. Mm. Not looking good. 
Oh, we got Rodney Thompson. Thank you, Rodney. You're the only new subscriber this week. So that makes you extra special. Again, if you um, if you want to join the Patreon and support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash Society. And I wish I had something more interesting to say, but the interview with Orb is awesome. It's really great. I had a really great time talking with them. Really interesting uh, learning about body suspension and stuff and uh, all the cool stuff he's up to. So I guess we'll just get on with it. No great intro because I don't really have anything good to say. It's all good here. Everything's good. Oh, I'm going to do. Well, it doesn't really matter, I guess. I'm going to, this is one thing, I'm going to drop my um, Kansas City tool poster on my Patreon, I think Friday this week. So Friday, whatever that would be. I don't know what the dates are anymore. Friday the 15th. But you have to be a member of my Patreon. That's the way it goes. They get first dibs on everything. And uh, if they don't all sell, I will sell them to the rest of the public after that. But I don't think, I think they're all going to sell. One thing I don't have a problem getting rid of are the tool posters. So if you want to join my Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash chetzar. And um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, okay, let's get on with the Orb interview. Here we go. My interview with... The amazing orb. All right. I hope you enjoy it. Here goes. What's up, orb? Hey, man. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. It's, uh, it's Monday. Uh, I made it to this day. Uh, that's about all i got i don't know i'm just i'm on automatic this week man yeah really <laughs> yeah yeah it's nice it's and a, uh kind of rainy raining a little bit here which is nice because it's been like it was like 101 degrees the other day it's ridiculous out of nowhere damn, yeah yeah we finally uh we finally got a sunny day it's kind of wild oh really been, yeah it's been rainy and cold and uh very new york spring you know so how long have you been in new york oh man i've been in and out of new york since like 85 wow. uh but this time around i've been back since roughly 2005 so okay it's been a while. yeah yeah what you said we met at paul's yeah i think i suck with uh years can't remember things <laughs> accurately but uh i know chris i know chris cooksey was showing you were there um is right before it, it was after he had bought the space up on the west side um you know he had that he had that shop down in the, the lower east side and then he had moved up to the to midtown on the west side somewhere right and before it was last rights gallery up there i can't remember the name of what that gallery was because hmm, i only know of i mean i only i think i only went there no no i mean okay I, yeah, I don't remember either anything. <laughs> it was what, what I had a solo show there and I flew out for it. And then another time I was at a tattoo convention, the Asbury. Wait, no, you're a, right. You're right. It was your solo show. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Faces of death. I think it was that show maybe, but um, 
yeah so but but i know you you know uh again i guess from uh the, your twitter space that you have every friday <laughs> <laughs> which i think is great it's really it's really cool you know as, as somebody who's kind of like back on twitter after all these years um it's yeah, a great you and me both yeah it's a great show it's really cool you're the only person doing a dark art show on twitter spaces i believe uh yeah i appreciate the kind words and uh, you know my co-host vince has been really helpful too there were a few others um, yeah that's true there is there is the one in the in the in the uh this uh dark art dm thread i'm in and they just started it though i think well, it was really unfortunate because uh, Anna and a few other folks had started it, and they're primarily Ukrainian, and it had right. coincided with um, like a week before the war broke out. I so. know it was crazy. Yeah, it's been I was going to be on the show. I was going to huh. be on the show, and then it was like they were like, "We should maybe we should cancel it because it was before things got really crazy." And, yeah, uh, I got. I got asked to be a few of those as well, and it kept getting canceled. Just I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be for folks to just stay connected out there right now, you know? I know. It's awful. Horrible. Mm. It's so bad. I wish it would just end. It's uh, such a nightmare. But isn't it amazing, though? I mean, like, we connected through NFT spaces with a lot of these folks. And during a crazy time like these, uh, like the these dark artists are getting some financial backing through us supporting their art um you know out of the control of all these banks and all these middle parties and all this stuff so when everything kind of settles i feel like they'll have some financial uh, bedrock to kind of lean back on thanks to this community you know so it's you kind mean, of amazing you mean this evil nft community that's destroying <laughs> the planet that, that every that's terrible <laughs> you, you're talking uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude that is the last one year of my life with so many people i don't talk to anymore it is insane it's crazy right it's so weird yeah. it's so weird it's so strange yeah anyway yeah i had a, actually had a friend um uh, uh i think it is what was her name uh you you mentioned uh, oh, um, Ava, I think she Anna. Yeah, I think she goes by Avaletska. Uh, yes. I, I suck with this. Um, yes, yes. She's the, yeah. She's the one who was doing that uh, Twitter space, and then she ended up. I don't know if she wants to. Avletska. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if she, she, her her artwork's great, um, but I don't know if she wants us to talk about it. Although she's been posting about it, so maybe she does. But she had to like. I guess I'll just say it because she's been posting on Twitter. She had to flee Ukraine. It was crazy, man. And, th and these DMs were just like communicating with her while she's like, I don't know if I should leave. I don't want to leave my family, my cats. And it was like, and then, you know, as she, when she got out, she posted a message in there. So everybody knew. So it was like in real time, you're seeing like the, the effects of war on innocent people. It was just so fucked up. But yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse that we have social media, you know, the fact that we can right. follow these stories. I uh, I used to speak with, I still try to uh, talk with Vlad a lot, uh, another Ukrainian yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, feel for yeah, the guy, and, man. yeah, I feel like you've, uh, you've connected with him a little too. And uh, he's got a very dark, but beautiful mind. Uh, and most of those folks do having survived the, you know, the East Bloc post-communism thing. And I, yeah. it's just crazy. Like, I, I feel like we're about to see a surge of amazing dark art from these folks. You know, I know. I'm really looking yeah. forward yeah. to 
yeah his stuff his stuff's awesome everybody in this twitter thread is really making great stuff i guess the point i wanted to make though was i was talking to a friend of mine about that situation uh, about anna he said is that her name i'm sorry i I believe it's anna i'm sorry yeah i i too i'm sorry if i'm fucking it up (laughs) but he's like uh see if you can get her her wallet address i could send her some eth and he sent her some eth that's like you know it's such amazing it's such an amazing thing to just be able to do like that if you have it you know so you're i I really i agree with you on that it's kind of amazing for uh such a horrible thing that's happening nfts that are so bad for everything (laughs) i mean some people make it sound like nfts are worse than war you know i I just saw someone who did who had a he's like we just well we just raised a million dollars for charity with this nft projects it's like people have no idea what's going on it's this whole other world i guess it's part of the reason they're uh, freaked out by it and, and afraid of it or don't understand it you know well it's a uh, it's i mean i don't know if you want me to drone on about it but i mean for me it's been life-changing and i, I think we're in a very pivotal point in history um we're we're seeing a replay of what happened with the web bubble confluence of not just technology but also art on a higher level mm-hmm. Um, artists getting some of their power back, uh, right. not being managed by middlemen, uh, agents that we don't trust handling our work for us, <laughs> the insanity of sending art around the world, not being able to afford the packaging and shipping. Can you not, imagine <laughs> like sending one of your pieces of art to somebody like that and it costs you $20,000 to ship this thing to like another island somewhere right. on the planet? Like they can't <laughs> afford that, you know? Yep. Like it's. Or just being able to afford to have a, earn a living wage as an artist is is enough of a challenge, you know. Just through sales, you know, it's 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 crazy. It's a crazy way to make a living. I you know I I don't know if this is a famous tweet at this point because I'm still pretty new in the whole <clears throat> NFT world. But someone posted something in the future. People are going to tell their kids to be uh, artists instead of doctors and lawyers because of <laughs> NFTs. It's like you know, it's I, it's 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 entirely possible. It's it's because because as this gets bigger, there's going to be more of a a need for art. You know, it's you know my story. It's like a reason. I have a reason to share all this or and to keep creating all this digital stuff that I was into like 20 years ago. It's like. Yeah, you know, I've I wish this was around 20 years ago, and I, I, that's the reason I stopped doing digital art. I couldn't make any money from it. It's amazing. I I mean, it's the opportunities are endless, and yeah, you know, the thing, the, one of the things that I love the most about it is that as artists, we're paving the way for what can be done with technology instead of vice versa. Right. They're not giving us their terms first. We're actually saying, hey, look at what we're already doing without you. Um, you know, it's not just selling art, like selling tickets, having provenance over property, physical items. Like, you know, I used to be a furniture maker. You know, I make all this weird shit. Oh, and cool. I, you know, I, the only way I would consider going back into that world now, now that I'm this far into this, this crypto business is to see if I could offer uh, my supporters, people who want to buy furniture, anything like that, some form of provenance in the form of the blockchain. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to go back to the old world like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's also so, you know, I've said it a million times, I've been talking about it a lot on the podcast. It's, it's so big. And there's so much potential to do so many things that it's almost like, I feel like the first time I sat down and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a painter. And then I just was like, what do I paint? 
it's like there's so many things I could paint and I just totally went blank at first and and it feels the same way it's like okay you could do it this way you could do like a cool pfp project or you could do a one-on-one or you could do some limited editions or you could do an open edition or you can do certificates of authenticity or you can airdrop <laughs> some pieces for free to your fans and blah, blah. it's like you could just do so much shit it's it's hard to even know where to start you know wait till you realize that you can take all of those things and wrap them and bridge them to other networks so people that work with other currencies can buy your art on different networks right yeah 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 that's like another yeah it's it's just wild it's crazy <laughs> anyway though we won't get too much into that uh sure. so you're a body suspension artist yeah uh first and, and foremost I I guess. tell me about that that's like kind of your main uh, thing right well you know uh i did it for 16 years um i got into it around 2005 here in new york um how did you get into it <laughs> that's the first thing i was wondering and i'll i'll tell you you know i'll tell you the story um okay it's not it's not as grand and as exciting as some other folks in the scenes stories but um around 2005 i was back in new york and i had met a couple of new friends that were in the sideshow circuit doing street shows busking uh we had a lot of like nightlife events that we went to burlesque sideshow that kind of stuff met these guys who did a freak show called disgraceland family freak show um over the years we became best friends uh one of them spliff uh arwin rosa he passed away in 2011. um he kind of shifted the sideshow over to the suspension thing. But before we learned how to do it, we had these folks like Lucas Sapira um, coming to New York and doing suspension. And um, so they were like, hey, we're hanging out, literally hanging out um, at the Funhouse <laughs> this weekend. And if you got you want to come hang out, whatever, you know. And I was like, yeah, sure, bet. And uh, I was drunk. Um, I was about three days into just a bender. I hadn't eaten food in two days. And a close friend of mine, Kristen, uh, she came out with these, uh, these sterile packages of hooks in her hands. You know, I'd never really seen them before in person. You know, I you, was had, you hadn't seen a suspension before? Not in person. Oh, um, wow. In fact, I hadn't even really thought about what suspension is <laughs> till like, I don't know, like 2004, 2003. Right. Uh, somebody had showed me. I mean, I'd seen books of Fakir Musafar and body modification. Um, uh, the gay rights movement and how integral that was with body modification, the importance of autonomy, all that kind of shit, you know, mm -hmm. and, but at this stage in my life, I, I had not really been interested in it. And so I was kind of getting into the idea of it, but I didn't really think I was going to do it. And Kristen <laughs> walks out and she's like, here, you want to suspend? I'm not doing it today. And you can use my hooks, you know? <laughs> And, you know, I'm drunk as fuck. So I was just like, hey, somebody hold my beer. I'm going to go hang from Oxford. So I, I go hold in. my beer. Uh, literally, like, I, I mean, it wasn't even beer. It was like shitty malt liquor. <laughs> you know, I, I was not in a healthy state physically or mentally. And um, I guess I went in. They pierced me. Um, Lucas Sapir is a fairly renowned artist in that world. He's he's an established artist and very experienced with what he does. At that point, he'd already been doing it for close to a decade, probably. You know, and so I felt like I was in good hands, and I was. Um, but you know, as soon as they pierced me, I went into shock. Um, right, that's what I was wondering because I had my nose yeah. pierced in the '90s, and it was like <laughs> just one septum piercing was like. I turned white and I like almost fainted. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's how real. do you do that to your whole body? It's crazy. Well, I can I can hash that out for you after this short. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, um, keep going. Keep going. It's uh, it's it's complicated. Uh, it's it's hard not to talk about all the facets of it all at once. Right. Um, but 
essentially they they put my feet up and uh, gave me vodka orange juice because back then that was acceptable but also probably a good idea because i was borderline alcoholic at that point you know so felt a little better uh finally they hoisted me up i was not here it was like um it, it was like man it was like i took uh what i thought was acid but was not um i, I you know I, i'm fairly well versed with psychedelics and this was at this point in my life i think the only reason i stayed intact mentally was because i had psychedelic experiences and because i was so drunk and so not in my like best state um i think i would have passed out otherwise i right. think it was just so it was proof to me that i could stay there mentally acute to a certain degree you know mm -hmm. as my body just kind of failed me but this guy spliff man he just he was this amazing individual i mean he was uh his, his dad was brazil and like the guy like came out of the amazon enjoyed civilization he traded his loincloth in for fucking boxers that kind of dude right wow. traveled the world had sex with many people had many babies some of them met each other randomly not knowing they had the same dad and this guy was one of those miraculous entities that came out of the amazon somehow right and i'm still close friends with his mom and he just kind of held me there and he had this like resonant voice and his eyes were like windows into like a different existence you know a really intense person and um I just connected with him and it was not just myself keeping me there mentally but this person's energy like giving it was like a gift mm -hmm. you know like a real gift and i can't explain it i get really emotional thinking about a lot of it so i'm going to cut that part short but i came down and i crashed i slept like a baby for a day ate a lot of food um and it was only about a year later my third suspension where I actually had a positive physical and mental experience. Oh, wow. um, so my so my beginning is not that great, but I, I realized there was something there. It was like it was like having a psychedelic experience or an OBE and not really understanding what happened and yeah. wanting to go back and like you know formulate like what what actually happened. You know, right. so yeah, I, that's I was gonna say it's kind of like having a bad trip for your first acid trip and then going back and then having having it the right way i was a friend of mine was telling me because i was uh mentioning i was going to interview you and he said a friend of his does it <clears throat> and he said let's see what did he say he said it's like his friend says it's like uh an ob it's like a an out-of-body psychedelic experience is how his friend describes it so yeah i mean that's uh Look, I, I can tell you one thing. I, I'm not a person who speaks in absolutes ever. I don't I don't believe in perpetuity of anything, you know. Um, I don't like to commit to things, but there is one thing I'm absolutely certain about, and that is that everybody's experience is unique in suspension. There is yeah. no same with similar... psychedelics. It sounds similar to psychedelics so far, except that's more it. painful. <laughs> Well, so that's the thing. I mean, not necessarily, though, I guess there's this misconception that it's very painful. Absolutely, it is. I mean, you, you talked about your septum piercing. I mean, fuck that. I don't even like getting pierced. I fucking hate getting tattooed and I'm covered in this shit, you know, and then <laughs> there's this point at which you just think about it and you're like, why do I do this to myself? And and it's because you committed to something. You want to modify your body, your mind, you know, that kind of thing. So once you realize that and your body kind of comes to terms with that, and so does your mind the pain is just like kind of a really instant thing that goes away. Cause what happens is when you get pierced, your body that has this fight or flight reflex. Mm -hmm. First thing it starts producing is adrenaline. The second and tertiary things are endorphins, serotonin, there's dopamine, you know, but endorphins are the main one here. They're a natural painkiller. It's kind of like a hormone that shows up and says, you're going to be fine now. Um, so, you know, when you got pierced in your septum mm -hmm. and you kind of went into shock, got really lightheaded, mm -hmm. but then there was a numbness that followed. Right. Right. Yeah. 
that's the numbness. And so what we're doing before you hang somebody or pull them off the ground or anything on hooks, what you're doing is you pierce them with this large gauge needle, uh, anywhere between eight and five gauge. And it's pretty sizable, uh, but not as big as something you think if you look at it in person, right? Mm -hmm. And when you pierce the body, you're actually tricking it into thinking there's a lot more trauma than actually is being inflicted, right? Oh. So it just goes into overdrive and just pumps you full of adrenaline, endorphin, and everything else, right? So it's a chemical experience first and foremost. But the beauty of it is that it's not an external introduction of chemicals into your body. You're, you're generating it yourself. So there's no real hangover and you stay lit for like four to five days. But wow. some people, they have out-of-body experiences. Some people just have purely physical recreational experience. Um, not everybody's seeking spiritual enlightenment or some sort of out-of-body experience. Um, some people have emotional responses. Those are some some of the stuff that I facilitate and I'm better at because I don't like to tell people what to believe or what to do, you know, um, but I'm able to hold space and let the emotion come out. And more often than not, people cry a lot, you know, um, but there's a huge smile at the end and they can't even explain why they cried. It's just a cathartic experience. You know? oh, trip. So, yeah, it's something. It's so weird. Yeah, it's trippy. <laughs> I, I, now I've, it seen it. I've seen it before in person, just going to these different art shows and conventions and stuff it's like uh you know of course the stupid question i'm sure everybody asks and it is the doesn't know anything it's like how does it not tear through or has it ever torn through or you know it's like it seems like it would tear through it just seems it's I, like right? it's not a stupid question it's not a stupid question i, I how mean how does it not tear matter? through <laughs> I mean, it is insane. It's just insane. Like anybody who tells you that suspension is a completely normal thing that should be normalized and become mainstream, they can go fuck themselves. They're full of shit. You know, they're just trying to advertise something like this is not normal. Um, and I, I think the proof is in the pudding that, you know, most of these native cultures, indigenous cultures around the world that have been practicing for thousands of years. It's not for everybody in the tribe. You know, like oh, this right. is a very, very unique thing. It's either a rite of passage uh, or a spiritual experience. Like uh, people who wear kavadis is a similar one, you know, Hindi culture, Buddhist culture, Middle Eastern culture, pre-Islamic societies, South American, South African, everybody's doing this shit, right? And some of them, they wait for it to tear out of your skin for the ceremony to end. You know what I mean? Like that's intense. <laughs> really? <laughs> so the skin will tear at some point, you know, but well, oh the way God. we do it, we don't go through the muscle. Uh, we just go through the, the, the dermal layer, right? Uh -huh. And not all parts of your body are as strong. So like if I hang you from your armpit, it's probably going to tear. Um, but <laughs> certain parts of your body, you learn over your journey of how, you know, how to do this. Uh, you figure out that some some parts are easier to hang from but right. people do care it happens it's just not does very it common. really well if you're if you're in the in safe hands with like you know experienced practitioners um then it's pretty safe um but i've torn my knees a couple of times you know not bad they haven't torn out uh they opened up and my oh, facilitate my facilitator was just like that shit's gonna go and i was like <laughs> i don't want to go get stitches right now and i got stitches anyway but you know it was it's, you just gotta be smart about it you're doing stupid shit you're hanging from hooks you're gonna get hurt a little bit you know but but wow. done safely done safely that uh there's a documentary that somebody made there's quite a few of them actually but somebody called it the suspension of disbelief um and i i love that i, I love that so much because yeah. it, it that's really what you're doing you know right Wow. Yeah. Uh, so how, I mean, how often do you do it now? Do you do it Man. regularly or do you kind of only facilitate other people or do you 
do for fun now or once in a while or what? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, so our immune systems are limited. Uh, there's a capacity problem of how much your body can handle. Um, and uh, when I was younger, I'm 42 now. When I was younger, uh, between 2005 and 2010, I would suspend minimum like six, eight times a year, um, if not more. One year we went on tour with Nassau Chainsaw and Disgraceland. It was called the Nassau Chainsaw Disgraceland Demolition Committee. It's a mouthful. <laughs> and um, it's just these chunky, crunchy New Yorker motherfuckers, all of our friends and family now, you know, we just got together with these New York hardcore guys and our weird little freak show of site, you know, suspension people and went on tour. And uh, that year, that first year, I suspended something like, I think 18 times in one year. Wow. And then I did not suspend for a year. My body was like, fuck you, dude, go home. Like, what, just what, stop, you know? what, how, how do you know when you've done it too much? How, what, how, does, it, how does it affect you physically? The, the hangovers get worse. Like, what do you mean the hang hangover? What's a I hangover mean, like? Well, a hangover, like if you if you're not suspending and you drink and you get a hangover, it's like, oh, shit, this sucks. If you suspend a lot and your, your immune system's a little depleted from healing yourself, right, mm -hmm. from doing suspension and you get a hangover from drinking, your hangover is like 10 times worse. Oh, just okay. fucking sucks, you right. know? So you're, you, you're more prone to getting sick. You're more prone to being, you know, chronic pain comes back. Any other pre-existing conditions you might have are exacerbated, wow. you know? So yeah. So you, you, you definitely serious. can feel it when you've done it too much? Yeah, 100%. Wow. So now I encourage people to take at least a month break between suspensions, if not more. Um, and I, I personally suspend maybe twice, maybe three times a year now, sometimes less, sometimes more. Um, but I, I don't, I think everybody's different, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the older I get, the more my body feels it. I, I've, I'm pretty healthy, I'd like to think. Um, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. But even so, as I get older, I'm just like, man, you know, the stuff is pretty intense. And it's more meaningful now, too. I think partially because of that, you know, right. everything is, you know, you and you know how it is, you get a little older, and you see things a little differently. And yeah, your, your purse, your identity starts to kind of become more important, you know, right. Yeah. And I, I imagine uh, doing it less makes it keeps it more special, too. 100%. You know? So yeah. and it should be seems like it should be kind of a special thing and not a just like, hey, let's go. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a it's an interesting question because it, it's a question of like, what is your nature? I mean, some people mm. are very addictive, you know, and right. I've I've certainly seen people get addicted to the endorphin high and they want to come back and suspend again and again, you know, um, and well, you're right. I, th I think it diminishes the experience a little bit. You know, it's just there, there's just everything you're saying is like I could you could replace psychedelics with suspension and it sounds like exactly the same thing, you Nailed know, it. as far as like how often you should do it. It starts to it makes you feel bad if you do it too much physically, uh, you know, people do it for different reasons. You can have mm -hmm. a spiritual experience, but you can just do it for fun. You know, it's a it's it's a trip. So I guess it's I guess. Well, no. What is it? Like, what is it like you could seriously like if you think about okay, think like because uh, it's like if, if you're tripping, it's like that's like I guess it's just like that. It's like a a uh, uh, an activity. It's an activity. That's... You're you're right there. You already know the answer because the answer is the question of what do you want it to be? Right, right. Yeah. And it's what not is... but some but some activities are kind of just like that's the activity for everybody kind of like average normal activities maybe 
Oh, let me let me put it this way. I mean, my, my mentor who passed away said it once and it stuck with me since mm -hmm. he's like, people jump out of perfectly fine and functional airplanes every, <laughs> every fucking day. That's you know? true. <laughs> and, and the rush you get from that is very similar to the rush you get from this. I think the difference is your intent. Like, what are you approaching this with? It's like any right. ritual, any piece of art you want to create. You know, it's a, it's a question of what is your intention? And if there is no intention, that's fine too. You know, right, sometimes right. you just want to go for a run and get that shit out of your system. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I guess I'm just trying, I'm, you know, trying, trying to, to understand it. I'm trying to categorize it. It's like, you know, it's almost like you could, on one hand, it could be an extreme sport in a way. And then on another hand, it could be like a psychedelic trip type thing. And, and, or, you know what I mean? Or, or, that's a spectrum, yeah. or an endurance thing, or, you know, so that's interesting that it's such a oh, yeah. big, thing you know i mean that 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 spectrum you just laid out i mean that's exactly it like we have these friends in vegas who had tried there are endurance suspensions most of my suspension art is endurance driven um i i need the models to be able to hold their 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 moment you know for an extended period right. of time um there's a guy who's suspended for 24 fucking hours man uh you know like wow. that, that shit is wild like you can't pay me money to do that you know that's crazy, <laughs> like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah wow that's got you got to be in a in a weird headspace like a meditative space to do that i imagine you have to really or or just be a complete meathead i don't know, you know what I mean? like... <laughs> yeah there's a fine line i guess between being a complete meathead and being in a meditative I mean, space <laughs> empty i don't know mind. you know like you you you've you've lived a lot and you've seen a lot and you've you've been exposed to a lot of different cultures so i i know you'll get this when i say this is that just when you think that you figured out what it takes for somebody to like figure out how to do something some dude will show up in like you know in his birthday suit and just make it look like he can do it right. in two minutes. <laughs> you know and it's like there's always a different way you know right. and there's no right or wrong you know it's just different mentalities paradigms right right Wow, that's so interesting. Um, okay, I want to uh, talk about your your art and and your your NFTs and all this stuff. But first, sure. I want to I want to ask you: Can you give us just kind of like a quick background of you from birth to where you are now? <laughs> just real quick. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's your life let's story the, in a nutshell. Uh, I'll do the I'll do the cliff notes. Um, okay, yes. So. Uh, I'm Turkish. I'm an immigrant. I'm a first oh, okay. generation immigrant. Um, I'm not a citizen in this country. Um, I thought I detected and, a slight accent. Yeah, that, there, there's a few in there. I speak a few different languages. Uh, Turkish is my mother tongue. Um, New York is at New York. Has, New York English has become my mother tongue. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too I'm too chunky to go back anywhere else. I think I feel like a fish out of water sometimes. You know. Right. Um, but I traveled a lot growing up. Um, traveled a lot after the fact um landed in new york again in 2005 like i said i had just finished college and i traveled a little bit prior to that as well and got some bullshit degrees in liberal arts um i used to do a lot of illustration uh, and i used to do a lot of web design a lot of code before that i did infosec in the early 2000s um so i have a background in code and art mostly oh interesting yeah and i uh <sighs> I, I don't write code anymore. I don't enjoy it like I used to. I might be enticed to go back into it at some point, I guess. You never say never, right? And I uh, found myself kind of 
drawn it just kind of organically happened that i was into like suspension scene shit you know what i mean like i didn't really know what i was getting into um and i i thought it was just a fun recreational thing and meantime i was freelancing and i would do a lot of you know illustration a lot of graphic design um a lot of web design uh stuff like that and then and you know how it is with freelance i mean it doesn't really pay that well so things were a little tight and suspension is the single most expensive fucking hobby you can get into really um, so <laughs> That ensured for many years that I stayed broke. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it was only after 2010 uh, when my mentor got in an accident. Uh, he was paraplegic for a year. Um, oh, man. And then one year later, he passed away. It was one year of trying to raise funds and, and the community rallied. They really did. We flew him out from Texas where the accident occurred back here to New York and got him in a decent, like, you know, home. Um, and he eventually passed away. And at that point, I had filled in his shoes running the group here, Disgraceland in New York for a bit. And I, I just couldn't handle it. Like it was, the shoes were too big. And I think I had a different vision and I didn't know what it was fully yet. I, I had just spent too many years aimlessly trying to figure out what art means to me, you know? Mm. Um, I knew previously, but it had changed. And I've always been obsessed and actively done psychedelics and, <laughs> Every DMT trip I've had, or almost every single one, has landed in some weird geometric alternate universe. And so <laughs> all the stuff that you see that I have actually minted, I have a lot of work I haven't shown online, um, I might eventually, are all remnants of weird trips I had. And really? geometries, yeah, and how I felt emotionally in them. So the models I work with also, um, I always connect with personally. So the trip brought me, I'm kind of answering your first and second question right. in one go. It's <laughs> <Sorry>. fine. It's <laughs> okay. It works. Um, I just realized I wanted to explore conceptual work, um, but also work with my hands. So the rope turned out to be the... Um, uh, the graphic design tool I didn't know that I loved. Uh, instead of drawing straight lines, I was drawing straight, like weaving straight lines with rope. Because once right. it goes under tension, you know, yeah. Can you explain? And, can you explain what the stuff looks like for people who are listening and haven't seen your work? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Um, I traditionally, traditionally, it's a funny word. I traditionally, <laughs> I have uh, been known to create parabolic waveforms out of straight lines um, that look like uh, that are made of rope. So it looks like straight lines that are just kind of creating and outlining uh, negative space. Uh, but the trick is that everything I create is three dimensional. So when you rotate the object that the rope is rigged into, it creates these different kind of um, parabolas, uh, geometric structures. They're all two dimensional representations of three dimensional space at the end of the day. Um, you can, you know, it's like Metatron's cube. You can draw a hexagon, fill in the lines, connect the lines. But if you look at it correctly, you'll see that you've drawn a three-dimensional object known as a cube. Right. Um, so I explore those spaces with rope, um, but as opposed to just leaving it as rope, um, I, I like to explore what those shapes, where those shapes come from. And they're usually from emotional places or spiritual places. And the shapes represent certain states I was in. And more often than not, they translate to universally established occult sigillum or all kinds of occult symbols that are out there. Um, Cause there are universals in there. Um, and the people I work with are suspended inside of that. Now I could have done it with rope without the hooks, right. <laughs> but 
that wouldn't have been any fun (laughs) right but this is the part that i can't explain until somebody sees it in person sometimes but people look at my art in person when it's live and they have emotional reactions because the person inside of it is having an extended emotional reaction um the best people i've worked with uh, janelle mastima my wife janelle Loxo, uh my partner amanda you know mandalay like there there are these people who when they're there can hold the moment and they don't just carry themselves they carry the entire room um they're they're suspended they're off the ground but somehow everybody's weight is in that moment on them somehow it's so difficult to explain this mm-hmm. but essentially there are little explosions of emotion that are contained inside the confines of these these structures that i'm creating it's crazy um, so i try to i try to be fair i'm not i still don't think i'm that good at it uh, because i i have a limitation with the 3d space i can work in so i fabricate the cubes i fabricate the rigs that i work with now uh, my friends make custom hooks you know so everything is custom but dude, like I need like $60,000 to make like a Metatron's cube look an ass right. structure. You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> so I have some limitations, but I try to, I try to do justice to the shapes, the geometries um, and the topographies that, that are apparent physically and also mentally that are going on with the experience. So cool. What a great, amazing concept. It's like super high. Thanks high ass not high as in high but like oh it's high as fuck yeah <laughs> high art you know it's like uh <laughs> it's just conceptually very sophisticated i guess you could say it's a really cool idea i struggle with that a lot i um i uh i, I refuse to take this reality seriously um <laughs> and i i think i think there's a holiness to blasphemy um i think that there's something really magical happening in there once you can view other entities or what they represent in reality as your equal for a hot second, you know, Uh Um, weird things start happening. And so at the same time, I'm like, yes, uh, it's a very serious conceptual piece of work. I'm not, I'm not looking at it from a, 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 you know, I'm not saying it's pretentious. It's it's just like, you know, as an artist, you, you hear someone, what their art is all about, and then you can judge whether it's like, uh, that's an okay idea, it's been done before, or you can judge it and be like, that's really interesting. I've never heard anything like that before, really. I've never heard anything like that before, not with suspension in that way. It's really unique, and, and it's like a combination of, you know, it's visual art, but it's also performance art, and it's also mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's just very cool it just seems like a really cool idea well, I'll, I'll say i mean i'm I, i'm blessed because i am i i had the support of some amazing individuals along the way because there are plenty of people who do suspension and don't seek this level of creativity or anything else and i respect that also mm-hmm. um you, you mentioned performance i i have been fighting for years with myself and how to escape that term and i've come to terms with the fact that it is performance it's performative art you know yeah um but But it's but it's different too it's like sculpture and performance art and Mm. uh you know i don't know what you'd call geometric you know no you said it's sculpture it's (laughs) sculpture i i like to i like to think of it as sculpture i I think that's the correct term because there are there are people like look if some 
some person wants to get in fishnets and swing above a tattooed crowd at a convention from hooks. I, I support that. I right. think that it's empowering and the high from it is amazing. Like I've suspended in front of thousands of people before and it's fucking empowering. It feels amazing. You know, the high is different. The pain that we were talking about earlier, instantly gone. Like wow. it's not there. You're you're in you're you're performing in front of a lot of people. So people who don't like performing, I'm pretty sure they have a negative experience, but right. but it's the it's the people along the way that let you appreciate all facets of it. Like I've suspended Dave Navarro with my friend, Matt Brawley for like the ink master season finale or whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. you know? And the whole time we're making dick and butt jokes, you know what I mean? And that was, <laughs> that was fascinating. And, but the support of people like that um, and being able to talk about these higher concepts with people like yourself, you know, um, the, these are, these are the facets of this that, that fascinate me, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you can't, we can't do this thing by ourselves, you know? Right. Takes, yeah. takes a village. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I feel the same way uh, about art in, in, a, in a sense. Like, uh, you know, with what I do, my stuff, it's like I there's a deeper meaning to be had if you if you want it, but it's also it's just cool, goofy, weirdo monsters. Yeah, you can enjoy <laughs> it for that too. You know, you can enjoy it either way. It's like yeah. that's I think good art is like that. When, when it when when it works on a surface level but it, there's also depth to it for those who um want to go digging deeper it's there you know what i mean 100 percent. i there are two folks that i've met through nft spaces through a transmissions from the void actually um yes, one that's, is, your, that's your show that's the name of your show right yeah yeah it's a weekly that i haven't done for two weeks because i got covid <laughs> and i'm burned oh, out shit. oh yeah that's right <laughs> damn yeah yeah no i'm better now um, oh good but uh yeah it, it's it's been crazy but uh there are these two characters one is image sombre um he's this fascinating individual we also interviewed he does surrealist art mostly digital mm. um he's located in egypt and the other one is our friend maria pleshkova who's in russia um she does amazing portraiture uh edits uh she's a photoshop genius i i i can't speak highly enough of both of these folks and here's what i love about these guys i am i feel torn between both ends of how they approach their work. Maria writes a lot about what she's trying to communicate with her work. And Imaj says, he's just like, just let the fucking people decide, right? Mm -hmm. and it's like this like constant, like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know if I, so I'll let you know, like I burned out in January, uh, not from doing suspension. It was partially from doing suspension and pushing the pushing it as an art form. But mostly I burned out because I spent so much time trying to explain this shit to people. And for some reason in my head, I thought it would be any different in the NFT space than in the real world. <laughs> Why I think that, be worse. You know, and worse and better in some ways, but yeah. overall, like you fucking moron, like what are you doing? <laughs> trying to explain to a bunch of faceless strangers that you're having a spiritual experience while you're <laughs> showing them a picture of some dude hanging from hooks, you know, like what the fuck are you thinking? You know? <laughs> so so I burned out. And now, now I explain it less. Uh, my my 90% of my response to people on the internet is it's not a fucking render it's real you know right. and, uh, <laughs> and that's it that's all I say now and all of a sudden people are buying my art again so you know, I don't yeah, know man, it you know? works <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah so uh, 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 you are into uh, you know I don't know how, how you're 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 a magician I guess you could say you're into magic, you're into the occult. It's like there's not really a a good way of 
asking it sounds it all sounds kind of goofy when you ask it that way but you're you're into that right <laughs> yeah yeah I, yo hey i get it i mean we in western culture it all sounds really fucking goofy yeah um, yeah no i i inherited some some knowledge along the way uh, i have a personal practice um I, I followed Philema for years. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't take this stuff too seriously anymore, but I took what was useful to me and moved mm. on. I was Muslim growing up. Oh wow, uh, you know, yeah. And uh, wow, what I, a, what a, what is what do Muslims think of Philema or uh, practice? Is it not good? <laughs> what what do what do any religious people think of any occult practice? Right? I, hate I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Um I mean, shit, I've met Buddhists who hate what I do, you know? Really? It's, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of Buddhists. It takes all Yeah, types, that's true. You know? I remember I remember, I, I, I worked with a guy who was a Buddhist, and uh, we were talking, because I've always been really into Zen Buddhism, mm -hmm. or just Zen philosophy, I guess. And, um, and I was so surprised because he goes, Zen Buddhism, not real Buddhism. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> What are you talking about story and, it, and it's funny he actually passed away it was really really a, a weird story too uh really great sculptor named motohara um, from effects and um and 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 we worked together on a project and by the end of it he was like i get what you're saying it's like he kind of came around and understood where i was coming from with it but i just thought that was so funny because it's like i'm used to thinking everyone thinks of buddhism as like the cool religion that's tolerant <laughs> And it's like, there's, yeah. there's like kind of fundamentalist Buddhists out there, you know, on all kinds of different yeah. levels, not the saying he I mean, was, but he was more of a traditional Buddhist, you know, I think we can, uh, I think we can agree. Buddhism is one of the less, uh, far less detrimental religions that have happened to this planet. Yeah, you know, sure. I don't even know if detrimental is a word for that. I mean, they, they, they're not out there to do harm to others. Right. So that's, that's huge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, the, 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 the the occult, the occult thing yeah um well so i still on occasion read tarot for money so that's the thing i've been doing for a long time since i was oh, a kid wow. uh, yeah and uh that you're a kid yeah yeah I got, when did I you get into it age uh, i was like 15 16 wow yeah yeah it's a little bit of heritage you know and what do you mean um, a little bit of heritage it's, it's uh Part of your family, yeah. kind of. You, you got kind, some... kind of, sorta. I try to keep that shit off the the airwaves, so oh. I don't put other people in uncomfortable oh. situations. Okay, but okay. yeah, it's it's been. I've been around it for like pretty much my entire adult life. Um, but I I uh, I don't I don't I don't affiliate myself with anything anymore. You know, right. it's a personal practice. Some things work, some don't. That feels um, like something know, that happens naturally if you do it the right way. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like if yeah. you're stuck. If you end up just in this group the rest of your life, it's like that's not the point. It's almost like you, they have these groups like like uh, uh, the uh, Golden Dawn or something. It's like those yeah. are to get you beyond the group to where you don't need the group anymore or you're just doing the group for fun or whatever. But it's not necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether whether you're joining the OTO or some other thing, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like you just got to pick which cult you're a part of, you know, right. <laughs> like we, you, you, sir, have joined the NFT cult. That right. is just the reality of it. You know, like it doesn't matter how like reasonable you think you're being or right. rational you're in your explanation to people. Somebody who is not into this shit is going to be like, you're, so you joined a cult. Right. Yeah. That's, That's you true. know, like it. But I, you know, you, you said like, you know, how do you address this, right? Like, what are you a magician? Are you a sorcerer? Like, what, what are you, right? So um, my, uh, my happy term is 
I'm a kitchen witch. Cause man, I can cook like a motherfucker. It's like alchemy. <laughs> like I'm really good at it. And so like my whole life is a bunch of food metaphors at this point. And in fact, because I had to close down my shop during the pandemic and I quit web design years ago, I actually don't even have an office anymore. So I do all this NFT shit from my kitchen. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so hopefully I'll have a studio again this summer, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's kind of wild. Like I'm surrounded by all this furniture and all these occult things that I've created, you know, um, and been gifted and all that. And I'm sitting here on a laptop uh, editing content from suspension, you know, right. and mincing it on the, it's so, it's so weird. It all feels like a new kind of magic in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it really you know? does. I, I was, um, I minted a, a piece yesterday and um, I, you know, I don't know if it wears off, but I still, it's like, it's, you get a thrill when you, I get a thrill when I mint it for some reason. It's like, I, you feel like something's happening. Like some weird <laughs> mystical process is happening when you mint it on the blockchain for some reason. I suppose I it's just because of excitement. <laughs> I love your excitement. I've, yeah, I'm I've sure it'll this, wear off. Yo, I've yeah. been with this group uh, called Sideways. We started a DAO recently. Um, these are my friends I made literally a year ago when I joined Foundation and got into this NFT shit. Right. Right. And so that's I'm like some, a that, so that's like a ten year friendship now in the NFT world because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. time goes so much faster. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you you talk about that on every podcast you do now. I was just like, this concept of time is like, well, today's a day that ends in the letter Y. And a year ago, so really like three lifetimes ago, I was, you know, it's just weird. It's totally um, weird. And no one has but, been able to explain it to me. Anyway, go on. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, there is no explanation for it. It's uh, we're, we're operating, I think, on a higher level, but simultaneously just kind of it's like a slow burn in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I, I think you get it. Like it's yeah. just time works differently. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, so these guys I hooked up with like a year ago, I, I kind of took a break last summer and I came back um, and we started a DAO and all this stuff. So that excitement that you're feeling every time you mint um, is awesome. I, I missed that. And here's why. <laughs> so now when we're minting, everybody in the channel on discord is like, Oh my God, gas is like right. 3,000. What motherfucking <laughs> PFP project is ruining my life right now? I have a collector waiting. You know, it's, like, it's like <laughs> right. ridiculous. Like, um, and, it, and it gets frustrating. But uh, on that point, to be fair, I, I currently uh, am a project manager and an experience lead for like multiple different PFP projects. So that, that, oh, is, really? that is my life now. Yeah, it's, wow. it's crazy. That seems yeah. really... That's the the reason I haven't really considered doing one because it seems like that would be really hard to do, really difficult to do to manage something like that, especially when it's, you're doing uh, like thousands of them. It seems like you'd have so many, you can't filter out the assholes at that point. You know, that's one cool thing about having like mm -hmm. a small, uh, a dedicated following is that you know these people and you know that they're cool generally because it's like it, you filter out the assholes, but when you, you know, the bigger things get, the less of an asshole filter there is. And so you're, so you're right. There's going to be someone and one or two people that are just going to cause trouble because they're just assholes. So I think that that's the, that's the key to success right now. So over the past year, I mean, I've, I've flipped a few PFPs. I mean, money is money at the end of the day. Anybody who's telling us, uh, telling themselves they're not here for money is lying to themselves. I mean, it's oh, built yeah. on financial, financial technology at the end of yeah. the day, you know, it's all FinTech, Absolutely. but, but 
once we've all established that baseline and we're not lying to ourselves, we can move on to the good shit, right? And right. it's it's the concept of like, I don't want to be a starving artist. Um, and yeah. to do that, I need to adapt. So sometimes you need to make illustrations for shitty bands. And other times you need to make a CD cover for like some awful band you hate the music of. You know, it's it's not it's not a bad thing. We just have to adapt. And I think that... NFT spaces are the same thing. Um, and it's not for everybody, you know, like you had damn engine on, you had Dennis on a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and, um, I, I love that guy. Uh, he's, yeah. he's so smart and awesome. like you, you guys are incredibly established in your craft. You're incredibly talented in it. And you also have a consumable format. Um, you're not hanging people from books. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, uh, it, I, I would honestly, if you had entered the space, um, and just been like, I'm doing a 10K PFP, 10,000 Chetzars, you know, I'd been like this fucking guy, you know, like, what the hell, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, if, if like either one of you down the line decide like, okay, here's a new innovative way to leverage the existing technology and create an art, a collectible art project, um, I'd be so supportive of that because I think the space needs that. So we're, we're at the stage now with all of this where it is still about the art. It's just that we're innovating the way it works. So like, you know, I, this project I'm working with, it's called Dumpster Kittens, right? Um, it's mm -hmm. about possums. They're all screaming into the void. There's going to be like over 6,000 of them. Um, and the whole idea is that instead of you just buy this JPEG and then you try to sell it later, right? You can buy this dumpster kitten that all, it's a fashion thing. It's got all this shit on it that it found in the dumpster its hat is a banana its glasses are broken <laughs> like 3d glasses right it's this absurd fucking thing the art is fucking amazing it's really funny illustration oh, cool. stuff it's a little dark yeah um and you know we we should not you know discredit artists who spend months creating the art for these things yeah, yeah it's generative and it's randomized but like they made all of those by hand you i know? think it's cool as hell just from a technical technological standpoint i i as, as soon as i understood it i was like this is really interesting and fun. Well, this will this will blow your mind. So you can't just flip these JPEGs. You can if you want to, but with ours, you can explode it later and swap out its clothes, its traits. So like, oh wow, yeah. So I could be like, hey Chet, you got one of those possums with a battle vest, and I got the stupid top hat over here. I'm gonna unequip mine, and if you unequip yours, I'll swap it with you, and you can trade. You know, that's um, so and now cool. I can yeah, so now my possum can look cool like you used to, and you can look <laughs> silly with the hat that I had. You know, so anyway, but like, but it's uh, it's funny and it's fun, but more importantly, it's innovative. And I think that the liquidity that is coming from the innovation that's happening with those projects, it's it's what's funding us with our one of ones. Mm. That All money right. needs to keep flowing. Um, as long All as right. there is money flowing in the space and it's changing hands, as long as the volume is high. Um, I'm trying not to turn this into a financial discussion. Um, it's part of I, it, man. <laughs> it is. You know? and, and we need to we need to adopt. If we're going to say we want to take our rights back and not have galleries determine what's best for us or agents or whatever, then we have to understand what money means, right? Right. We, we need to manage ourselves. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Um, and it's also, I think, incredibly, um, what's the word? It's just fucking silly you know it's uh -huh. fun and and, and I, I think that for one of one artists especially in the dark art realm like our turn is coming you know and as long as this liquidity is flowing towards us there are opportunities so for artists who are not doing that well right now i think that nft spaces are an opportunity for them to learn and adapt and maybe get you know stick their feet in the water a little bit with these pfp projects or something else and just understand how it works 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would love to see a dark dowel or something. Maybe we could right. start one um, that essentially creates a collectible project that's creepy as fuck. Yeah. And just by holding it, you get perks. You get to be a part of the community, you know? Right. So yeah. It's, it's such a great opportunity. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I, I keep, you know, I'm talking with, you know, I talk a lot with my friend Gabe Leonard and uh, Josh Breckenridge. Mm -hmm um who's the guy he's the guy who got he's he got gabe and i in like he sort of has been telling us for a year to get in and um <clears throat> kind of onboarded us into nfts and um you know it's just it's one of those things it's so big I, I, that I, I keep saying in these text threads it's like you know i have a million ideas for a pfp thing it's like how do you pick one when you can do anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's so yeah. like it, well it's uh i i think it's fascinating because there's a whole culture here that uh, i'm a little older too man you know like we're mm -hmm. we're kind of we're not exactly in our 20s so, right um there there is like this cultural element to it that's really fascinating like so everybody in nft spaces know who knows who gary v is now right, right like if right. you're into nfts you fucking know who this loud ass guy who's telling you to picture your family dying to be <laughs> successful at marketing is right like so it's like Okay, so so like you know, you're saying like, well, I have so many ideas, and it's like ninety percent of these cultural paradigms are the idea. Like, what if you had ten thousand screaming Gary V's? Right. <laughs> you know, like, but but I think that what you're talking about, like, I would love to see artists that are coming from our generation of creating art, right? right. It's last twenty years specifically in the darker realms imagine what kind of crazy weird stuff you could show these people that would create a new culture for them you know right there's, there's so much opportunity there yeah yeah i guess the the uh you know the trick is to think big and think in innovation and not just copy what everybody's doing right you know what i mean because that's the thing right. that kind of irritates me it's when it's like you know it's that's that's what's lame that's what's lame in the nft space is like everybody mm -hmm. just doing what's it's just like the movie business or whatever it's like whatever makes money they make a bunch of movies like the thing that made the most it's money it's a grind it's yeah. a grind and it's not inspired it doesn't feel inspired yeah. or, or inspiring you know um the stuff that <clears throat> i don't know the stuff that is is innovative is inspiring and uh I mean, I see stuff every day on there that's like just a lot of like weird procedural animations and mm. it's just so cool. There's just so much cool stuff. But it's funny because I remember when I went on your show early on, I was talking on your show and I was saying how or maybe I was commenting a thread and I was saying how amazing all the artwork. And you're like, well, <laughs> give it some time. And it's like, yeah, OK, I get what you mean now, because there's a lot of terrible terrible stuff Complete shit. So, it's so much it's so bad of some of the worst art i've ever seen in my life it, it, but it's like there's also some of the best art i've ever seen in my life it's amazing it's like i mean so you guys weird. you guys nailed it with dennis a few weeks ago when you said it's so bad it's good you know like this <laughs> this is this is like life-changing shit like this stick figure bought somebody a house right. you know what i mean like <laughs> but you know on on that note though i I, I want to make the point though, like that, I, I think, so, you know, we're constantly trying to figure out what the fuck is dark art? What does that mean? Right? right. Like it's such a, a vague term that encompasses so much about, you know, healing, uh, self-betterment, all the stuff, mm -hmm. forcing people to look in a mirror is my, one of my favorite ones, you know? And 
I feel like, I mean, forget the PFPs for a second, but like the, the whole notion of artists that are exploring these very difficult concepts, very personal concepts, um, entering a space like this where everything is, you know, stick figures and screaming possums and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, right? And, uh, but, but you enter these spaces with this mentality of like, well, I actually have integrity and I actually want to connect with people on a higher level, right? right? Like, so that's what like transmissions from the void is all about. You know, right. I don't, I, I don't allow any shilling, like, right. fuck that. Like, if you're going to try to pitch me a project, I'm going to go make sure it tanks somehow because get out of my space. <laughs> this, this person is talking about something incredibly personal, incredibly meaningful, and we should all learn from this person, right? And, and I think that as that becomes more important, I think it'll become more prevalent um, in the space. So whether we're talking about PFPs or stuff like that, or even if we're not talking about crypto, you know, like I think this these forms of art need to um, manage themselves better so that we can get our message out to people better, you know. And if there's, we, I, th I feel like we've been doing things so wrong for so long, you know, just trying well, to fit into an existing economy of shit, you know. And well, what, how do you mean? How do you mean? So, in like the 2005 to 2010 period, right? Um, when I was first discovering people like yourself, artists like yourself or, or Chris, or even Paul, even though he'd been tattooing for like, you know, since Methuselah walked the earth at that point. Um, <laughs> but like discovering these darker realms of art, um, there was still so many people. There are so many people that were doing really dark and weird shit offshoots of Giger and all this that were just going gallery to gallery and just trying to be like, hey, show my shit, show my shit, show my shit, like this. And it's just like you're walking into a gallery with white walls that has never shown anything outside of, I don't know, uh, some really bright collage, uh, hype beast looking ass art, right? And you're expecting them to show something incredibly dark and liminal, you know, and it's not gonna work. And right. people still to this day that don't get to talk to folks like yourself or get insight from established artists that are in darker realms or in darker genres, right? Or surrealism or any of those. Um, they don't have this, you called it onboarding earlier with NFTs, but they don't have onboarding into the art world. That's true. You know? Yeah. And this constant expectation of the world to give you, to cut you a break uh, because you're busting your ass is fair. And I believe that people should be cut some slack, but they're not going to get it. Right. You know, because you the, the system, <clears throat> right. You have to be in the right place in the right time sometimes, you know, yeah. and it's unfortunate that that's the case. So. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it was because I started, you know, in the early 2000s and um, it was just like clear that I could, you know, I could show in underground art shows and one or two other galleries. And that's pretty much it that would show my stuff. Yeah. Random coffee shops or whatever, maybe. <laughs> but um uh but but i just kind of had to make my own way because it's like i can't i got a wife and a family and a house it's like i can't uh, afford to to uh make money enough money that way so i had to figure out fig, you know figure out what to do aside from the gallery scene and then it was became well i'm going to sell my prints directly to people from my website and merchandise and and all this stuff and that became you know my bread and butter and the galleries are just like almost a promotion kind of like bands like uh you know bands go out and play shows to sell merchandise <laughs> you know right, it's like art right. shows are almost like uh a, a, you know not the not the goal as much as as an artist they are because you want people to see the stuff in person but really mm -hmm. it's more like um 
to me, even, even at this point, it's not like such a huge moneymaker that um, I, I, I would just, you know, I, I, I would probably stop doing shows except for the fact that, you know, I'm, I like Copro. I'm loyal to them. I like to help them. And I like people to be able to go see the show and get together fans of mine and stuff. So it's like a thing for them as well. Um, but you know, it's like, I could probably make more money just not having to worry at all about gallery shows. So, so you kind of have so to find your own way, you know, that's just it. You know, like there's man, it, there's no formula to this shit, right? Like, right. I mean, we've, I, it sounds like you've been through what a lot of us have been through, uh, which is selling prints through the website, uh, showing up to events, you know, yep. doing, just doing the grind because you got to, you know, yep. and as an artist, like you don't really want to do anything else because you know, you're going to suck at certain other things, so this <laughs> is the thing, right? Like, yep. and uh, I mean, I, I feel like some people need to hear that more um, that, you know, there is, there is another way to do this. Right. But I, I think the flip side to this though, is for folks who don't have, okay. So, um, I prefer to collect art from people who don't live in the States. And here's why. Um, for every $300 that I have spent on a piece of art in the States, that $300 is worth more like 3000 bucks to somebody in India. Hmm. So if NFTs allow me to um, put my money somewhere where I can support an artist so that they can break free of this ridiculous yeah. cycle of like being diminished by their, you know, political, religious, whatever surroundings they're in. Um, I feel that I'm contributing to some good there um, right. because I think I think artists pave the way for civilization and progress. So um, you can design a car all you want; it's still going to look like shit unless you give it to somebody who's who's got a creative mind, right? So right. No, nobody nobody wants to drive a fucking uh, egg crate around, you know? Like it's <laughs> it's a very it's a simple concept, but it's like you know we need our, we need to nurture artists, right? right. So that's the first step. Let's just like, where are you putting your money? Who are you supporting? Because somebody in the States can still do the shows and flyers and prints right, and right. through the website thing, whereas somebody in India, maybe not so much, right? Um, so the flip side to that is, uh, or the next step along that is, well, if you focus on something that's not your own art for a while and raise enough money, um, you know, do a PFP project, I don't know, uh, work for a work for a project, work for an NFT project, get paid in ETH, you know, that's what I do. Right. Like my entire income is in ETH, you know, really? theory. Yeah, wow. I don't make a single dime in fiat. It's crazy. My taxes are gonna <laughs> suck this year, you know, so getting <laughs> um, <laughs> extension, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, not really. I mean, I, you know, that's that's the math, though. You know, I commit yeah. to projects where I know that there's going to be a return, and I take into account that the government's going to take a chunk of it. You yeah. Know? Um, but it's life changing, and but the beauty of that is the the profit that I can take away from that hopefully will allow me to not just grow my own brand and reputation, but allow me to go back to the real world with the kind of funding I didn't have previously. Right. So previously in New York, I have a really good reputation here. The pandemic fucked us. I can't go do shows every fucking week. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. my shows are not shows. I don't do shows very often. I do like large scale installations at very high end events. You know, like I've, I've suspended folks like 30 feet in the air over thousands of people at some of the most expensive venues wow. in New York, you know? Um, the Dave Navarro thing I always joke about because I was like doing a friend a favor. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. it's not about the money for us. It's more about like, can we put out quality art? Um, and I always realized that, but it's now sinking in. It's just like, well, now I can actually fund myself. Right. You know? And I want to go back and make these beautiful installations on my terms. 
right. and not under the limitations of somebody else's events or somebody else's writer. You yeah, know? So, yeah. So I think that for other artists as well, especially in dark art, um, this might be a new opportunity, you know, like this new world that we're entering. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a, 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 a an issue with so many artists about making money and how money's bad and how starving artists and all that bullshit um that i've i've pushed for so long that the idea that you know we we are the ones that need to be making money because we're going to do good things with our money so it's like if you do that you just let all the assholes of the world have all the money if you let the assholes make the money and you don't make money yourself then you're just furthering further disempowering yourself and all the other cool people in your circle if you have the money to uh, back cool projects or your own artwork that you feel is contributing mm-hmm. to the world. It's like, that's what it's all about. That's why you got to, you know, that's why I've always been very um, uh, forward about how important business is to your art. You have to deal with the business because otherwise. And it's also, it's not like we're negating somebody when they say, I hate money. Money sucks. Yeah. Money fucking sucks. You know, yeah, but, but it's, it's the reality. The reality. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to yeah. say it's, it's, that- and it's not that you can buy a house with it. What it really buys you is time. It right. buys you time. It buys you time to do the things that you want to do. It's not yep. about making more. I mean, sure, it's about making more money for some people. You know, right, like whatever. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to judge a stockbroker. I mean, I will. That's bullshit. I will judge the <laughs> fuck out of a stockbroker. Um, but but that's just me. You know, uh, I I don't I don't think there's a right or wrong way to live this life. But as artists, we have to accept, like you said, the the reality that we're we're in. You yeah know, and and and, and the uh again bring it and it's like it's so funny because we keep talking about different things and it keeps coming back to nfts but i told you you're in a cult now <laughs> there's worse NFT cult. at least it's not like the children of god or something or science oh man well hey they got <laughs> at least they had documentaries made about him all we get is hate mail you know Who, that's the thing who's making the nft documentary there's got to be someone making one right now and if someone's not they need to because it's happening now. It's like so much is already happening. Oh man! But but dude, it's like it's like college, man. Like by the time you're done with your four year degree, everything you learned is obsolete. Right, and so by right. the time somebody makes an NFT documentary, we're gonna be like three weeks from now. I mean, <laughs> three years in the future. Yeah, you know, right. it's like a different fucking scene. You know, somebody when somebody should... told me when somebody told me that I can use multiple smart contracts to create an NFT from multiple NFTs. And then some, somebody can come and interact with it, explode it and rearrange them and put it back together and have the same ID on the blockchain. My brain just exploded out of my eyeballs. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck did you just say to me? You know, and now I don't expect anybody to understand what I just said, right. but like, I barely understand it. But I know, I, I know what you're getting at. But if you told me this like four months ago, I would have been like, get the fuck out of here. Right. You know, so if you're going to make a documentary about how shit works in that technology, it's it, I don't I don't think it'll be obsolete by the time it's published. You know, like you, the way here's the way to do it is you do it like a you do it as a weekly, you know, like an episode or maybe a, a weekly or monthly episode, and then you mint each episode on the blockchain. Hmm. A documentary about NFTs. There's my brilliant idea you are, whoever you are giving away free ideas man yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna do it it's like I, ideas are not the problem with me it's more like do again you know, i do i do uh, which thing to do 
I have a charity approach to these things on a, on Discord. I give away, this is just a personal thing. I just give away one good idea a day because I can't good. do them in this lifetime, you know? Like, That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, but what, anyway, what, what I was going to say is we were talking about um, making money and, and, and to, to that um, point, and blockchain, crypto art, NFTs, whatever you want to call it, is like the way to do it, basically. Mm-hmm. It's the way to make money if you're an artist right now. I mean, I, I know, again, I'm selling like I'm in the cult, but I, I continue to see artists that have been struggling and have not made a foothold do the NFT thing correctly, and they're selling it more than they ever had in, in the in the real world galleries it's like and you know what you know what like you're you're talking i i I feel like you're uh, correct me if i'm wrong i feel like when you just said that in your mind you're talking about people who come from our world of physical art right yeah first and foremost yeah 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 um that have been struggling for years that can't get a foothold in the gallery scene this is this is just it right here i mean this is let let me tell you a little story about my first nft sale like on on ethereum um i i had been i had been selling on tezos and other networks for a bit Mm -hmm. um and i had created these spinning cubes um i literally hung these cubes from a swivel put a static camera i was broke as fuck. i didn't have enough shit for this right so i just put (laughs) a camera suspended this cube that i had manufactured a few years ago for one of my events ran 2000 feet of rope inside it, hung a body in it, rinsed and repeated seven in a row over two days. Um, all of them unique, right? Um, but all of them with a camera in the exact same spot in the cube <laughs> in the exact same spot, covered the room in duvetine, you know, like, you know, the drill, like right, you're making right. art, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. fucking chaos. It's yeah. like, like after effects or something, right? So did this whole fucking thing. Um, it is probably to date the most complex project logistically and uh, from a skill level that I've ever done with suspension. And I still think it's not the best stuff that I can do. You know, like I, I constantly beat myself up about it when I look at the videos online. I'm like, oh man, I could have done this better. Oh, that rope is a little loose there, whatever. Mm, you know, nobody's right. going to notice, it, but you know how it is. You got yeah. that one brush stroke that somebody bought and you're like, God, somebody owns yep. that bad brush stroke. But so the, the thing that happened is I quit. I had a meltdown at my job. Um, I, I legit had a meltdown last September. I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. You're not cool either. I'm out. Right. Wow. So I just left and I was like, fuck everybody. <laughs> and, and I think I was right to this day. I, I usually like to be corrected when I'm wrong. And I, nobody has been proved. I, I like that shit was bad. It was a toxic environment. I was doing fabrication work. I was installing for some other company. I was not making enough money. Um, it was, you know, I'm welding, I'm grinding. I'm like, you know, it's just fucking bullshit yeah. work. I, not, don't get me wrong. I love fabrication. Working for others, not so much. Right. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I, I hate to make, sound like an asshole, but it is what it is. Yeah. And um, 48 hours later, I met with a friend who had helped produce one of my last shows that I did before the pandemic. Um, I hadn't seen her in a few years. She was in town. Um, and we had fallen out a little bit and we were just reconnecting and we're still good friends, you know. Um, and as I'm talking to her, I get this notification that this fucking NFT sold, you know, for like, I don't know, like $3,200 or some shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, Holy shit. I literally walked into the middle of the road and just yelled, yes, into the sky, right? Like, just like, right. like, like, there's no way a truck is hitting me in the middle of this road right, right now. Like, I am, I'm not in cloud nine. And it, it wasn't because, excuse me, I had made a huge sale. That wasn't it. It was that 
for the first time in my life, this collaborative project that I had done with these people, just this group of people I call family, literally, had been collected by somebody around the world as a piece of art, not as some fetishy thing, right. not as some weird fucking show off on Instagram kind of thing. Like somebody put money into it because they believed in me. And furthermore, I didn't have to go through a fucking gallery. I didn't have to, you know, I've done shit at Super Chief and I will never go back to doing that here in New York, you know, like not to shit talk to people there or anything, but like this, this whole philosophy of like trying to prostrate, prostrate yourself before these people to get enough time a day to show something and throw a big ass event, you know, has all gone out the window at this point. Because in one moment, that thing sold, and I covered everybody on my team's rent for that. Right. For that month, you know, that's, like that's amazing. That doesn't that doesn't happen in the I real know. world. Yeah, exactly. You it's know, like like it's like magic. <laughs> it is. It and, really and, is. And the the thing the thing that followed that was the connections I made from that because right. it wasn't some guy at an art gallery that bought my shit and left and I'll never hear from them again and I won't right. know what happens to my art. Um, granted, that doesn't happen with suspension because you can't take the model with you home. Sorry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, like, can that'd I be really expensive? No. That'd be a real expensive. That's 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 called prostitution. <laughs> it's not legal in this state. You know, like um, I'll come to your house and do it but you, no touchy you know um so this these moments suddenly had value and furthermore like the the collector let me talk to him as a human being um and my first collector in ethereum was path cryptopathic and uh, he's incredibly intelligent young man like he is uh, just on a different level of understanding how crypto works he's he, he's a native you know mm. Um, and he's one of the biggest collectors in the space and he's respectful and he's not an influencer or nor is he loud. Right. And right. through that moment, like this whole world opened up before me, I have onboarded other artists. I've collected other people's art. Now I am very well versed in how this world works. And I still literally know nothing, right. you know, like there's so much to learn and that feeling had disappeared for me in the real world. And I I've spoken with so many artists that say the same thing, like, I feel like we hit a wall right before the pandemic. You know, it was just like, if things are picking up, things are going to be good, but it's more of the same. And everybody right. felt bad about it. I, I don't know if that was how it was in your scene, but here in New York, we were kind of hitting this weird, like, like we're all doing shows and burning out and not making a lot of money. Um, yeah, and then, that's just, and, but that's just the way it is everywhere. You know, yeah. it's, it's like in the beginning, when I first started showing at the, the cannibal flower shows and stuff, uh, it was really exciting because we were young and mm. you know, that's what you do when you're young. You, you know, you work the day job and leave during lunch to go drop the painting off and try and get back in time. <laughs> and then you have the show that Saturday and then you have to drive down the next day and pick the painting up that didn't sell. You know, it's a one day. It's just like everyone does that. And it's like exciting and fun and it's new. And it's your sh every show is like another feather in your cap. And, but um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's just, we're all so much older and it's just like, you know, we've made, we make a little more money every year, but it's mm -hmm. just like, it's for the last 20 years, as much as, you know, I'm Copro is a great gallery. I'm totally into showing with them. It's they're my favorite gallery by far. Um, the shows we do there are awesome. The shows they have are always amazing and they're really kind of doing it right on this kind of grassroots level. There's no bullshit, no pretentious crap um gary and eric are amazing but um it just 
the overall lifestyle is like for, for seriously for the last 20 years it's been like okay it should i understand being an artist is is hard but this is too hard mm. it's too hard it's not like very hard it's almost impossible hard it's just like you yeah. have to almost kill yourself to do it like just you know it's, you know and, that's and, and it's that's so true i i, I don't want to interrupt you but like no. the my my biggest problem with i hate calling it the real world because everything's real um, or nothing is nothing is <laughs> yeah, real. right uh but my my biggest problem with that uh, cultural expectation of work is that the, there is this ingrained, especially in lower and middle classes, that uh, philosophy that you have to work really hard until you burn out to make it. Right. And and your your uh, the the level of damage your meat vessel has uh, taken during this time shows that you are worthy of you know now right. owning a house or some shit. It's right. like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like it is so unhealthy and it destroys people's lives and yeah. families and livelihoods. You know, and so when when this starts happening, where in, in art. I feel like we're not making art anymore. Right. It's a grind, and yeah. we're doing the same thing that we were trying to get away from. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. I don't want to feel shitty because if I feel burned out, the art that I make will be burned out art. It won't be my best. You know, right. I I believe that we have to destroy something to make something beautiful. That's just a personal take on it. But like, if that destruction is your livelihood and well being and your mental health, right. it's not exactly worth it. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I the 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 uh, uh, the more lighthearted way to say that is it takes mm. all the it takes all the fun out of it. It really takes <laughs> yes. it makes it like to where it's like you're not even having fun doing it anymore because it's so much work for so just not enough and it's like yeah. never enough. It's not like I've ever felt a couple times for because I had you know I got good gigs here and there doing tool posters or whatever. It's like a couple times it was like okay. I got, I got paid enough finally for 18 <laughs> years or whatever. It's like one time or two good times. Job, or dude. <laughs> it's like, and then it's like, it's good for a year. And then it's back to the same. And, and that just is like the, the, the potential in, in, in the, mm. the, the crypto world is just like, it's, 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 it really feels like a paradigm shift in everything. I think, uh, I think also like, you know, we we've obviously we're talking about crypto and NFTs a lot, but <laughs> but there is there is the other side of this. I mean, I I think that a lot of people who have a negative reaction to art and NFTs and crypto in general, um, there there's 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 a few things going on. Obviously, like people think that you know the more NFTs you make, the more energy is consumed, and you know whatever. It's just like, well, actually no, the it's very simple. It's like a train. All the cars, all the blocks on wheels. Are going to pass you by now whether you put something on the train or not right doesn't fucking matter like that train is going to keep going right. so if you want to load shit in that train really quick it'll put the transaction through for you it'll get from point a to point b so blockchain gonna blockchain man like right, it doesn't matter right. for minting nfts or not that's not right. how this fucking works right? so first <laughs> there's that there's that misconception of how the technology works and it's very problematic yeah the second thing is people are saying well you know you're right click save whatever what is provenance and it's just like okay well last time you took a picture of the mona lisa in the fucking louvre on your cell phone did you take it home with you motherfucker because you don't own it right <laughs> right a picture of it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah you, you can't resell you can't resell your picture but now yeah, you can you know actually I mean? 
you could probably sell it on the blockchain. <laughs> but you can scam somebody uh, by selling the, the ripped off JPEG. And when they find out about it, your reputation will be ruined forever. Right. Uh, you know, so so that's there's transparency on the blockchain that right. doesn't exist in the real world, you know, so you can't rip people off easily. I mean, you can, but, you know, yeah, yeah, not going to make it. But okay. here's Sorry. my here's the thing. Here's okay. Sorry, the, the, the third thing. And this is this is, I think, where it all kind of comes together is that there is life after crypto. We're not here to just sit at a computer and stare at Twitter and Discord all day. Anybody who thinks that that's what we're doing is out of their fucking minds. Right. Like it goes back to this thing that we're seeing of like, I just want to buy time, you know? So if crypto affords me the time to get away from this machine and go make art, because all I really want to fucking do, right. you know? That's what it's about. We're not here to stay. Um, crypto is here to stay. We're right. just here to get some, you know, get a little bit of recognition and a little bit of respect and a little bit of money just to go do what we wanted to do in the first place. You know, nobody's nobody's trying to like down upload their consciousness to the blockchain. You know, right. that's insane. <laughs> like nobody cares. You know, right. like, <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. So, you know, what, one of the I I I, I it's the the problem, one of the, the the thing that bumps me out the most about um, the hate on NFTs and blockchain is that people that I like hate it. You know, right. like podcasts yeah. I listen to, it's like they're so against it, and and it's and the and it's because they are seeing um, all these assholes that are into it. Because there's a lot of assholes into crypto. I mean, assholes, totally. assholes, and. Uh, scammers and just people doing lame shit that are just lame influencers people that are just like horrible people you know oh, yeah. just so so but that gets held up as the, the norm you know and it's the it's, irony i mean it's it's an analog of the real world we got the same problems off of crypto it's not a crypto problem it's right. a humanity problem right. you know? <laughs> but they say but it's like you know it's like all everybody participates in the financial system assholes and nice people and, <laughs> and it's like nobody says like the whole financial system is you know they hold up the assholes and say so you shouldn't you know, you should never buy anything or make any money because the whole financial system is run by assholes. And it's like, so it's, it's just, it's a shame that uh, it gets that, that these assholes get held up as what crypto is, you know, but it, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, it's such a big space that there's, there's room for everybody in it. It's, it's a, assholes. it's a fascinating, but well, that's, I mean, it, it's a fascinating thing because uh, we're, we're not defending our art anymore. We're, we're defending a, a medium on right. which to mint our art, you know, like to show our art. And it's, uh, I, I have to say, like, I think a lot of those folks are going to come around once all of this bubble stuff that we're in. It's kind of like how the internet blew up in the late nineties. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's not going to work. Right. You know, um, I think a lot of those folks are going to inevitably come around. Now you can sit around and say, I hate Amazon all day, but I know a motherfucker every day orders some shit from there and right. says they don't like it. Like yep. this is, this is the reality we work in. Yeah. And <laughs> the blockchain hopefully will, once we figure out a lot of these problems with, you know, how it works, how the technology works, I'm not going to get into a Ted talk about proof of stake versus, you know, proof right. of work or anything like that. But like, the, the point is that once all these problems on something like Ethereum are resolved, and once people start realizing there are multiple networks that we're not, you know, obsessed with one, we're kind of agnostic, like there are multiple ways to yeah. do this, it doesn't have to be on one network, right? I think that those folks are going to come around, and they're going to say, wow, this is a viable system. And 
I don't have to pay these fees anymore. Like, check this out, man. Like, so one of the things I also do is I write fiction. I write a lot of words. Um, one of the projects I work with is called Paleheads, uh, the Stacyverse. I wrote a bunch of stories for this stuff. Um, and I posted it on Mirror, which is a decentralized story publishing platform. Oh, um, wow. Strongly urge you to look into it. Um, it is amazing. There is a, the potential for this is not just like publishing like it's a medium website, but like you can get crypto for your stories donated. Um, you can have legendary, rare, and common versions. You can even mint your art on there and sell it as whatever the fuck you want to sell it as on wow. there, right? You're not tied to one marketplace, you know? Like, I try to stay away from broken uh, open sea. I call it broken sea. Um, <laughs> I, and I don't think we should be tied to foundation or super rare or any of these things either, because they're just companies that have a marketplace. And I'm sure the folks that were running them are very nice. Um, Kayvon and them are wonderful people, I'm sure. But like, I, I don't care. You know, the point is that we're artists and we should have our own provenance. So I published these stories with that in mind not thinking anybody was going to buy my stuff. I was just like you, excited to see a story mint onto the internet. I was just like, this is so exciting. Yeah. This is my first <laughs> first publication where I didn't pay anybody any money. And, you know, like I, I just, I paid like, I think $30 in gas to mint it or some shit like that, you know? And it's permanently on the web and nobody can refute that this is my story, right? Right. So I wrote a few of these stories. Uh, one got like a little bit of money. The other one got a couple of hundred bucks. The other one, you know, whatever. And then, uh, my original collector went and dropped one ETH on one of my stories. And I was like, what the fuck? And, and, and I was like, wait, hold on, like, hold the press, you know, like, what is going on? So all of this to say, I'm talking to my dad, like two weeks later, he's like, how's that crypto bullshit going? And I'm like, I wrote a science fiction story about a pill that makes you hallucinate and come back as a better person in a fictional universe I created with based on a, somebody's project that I'm working for. And he was like, how much did you make? And I was like, I don't know, like 30, 3,500 bucks. He's like, all right, cool. I'm going to stop asking when you're getting a real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the proof is in the pudding, man. And so this old man that is against anything technological was like, <laughs> fuck yeah blockchain you know <laughs> my son has made it as a writer you know not just hanging people from hooks you know and, wow. and he wrote about drugs you know so right. it's, just, <laughs> it's just like my life is like what a time to be alive man you know yeah. like just wild like yeah i feel the same way it feels like it you know it feels like the that the that the singularity that's what i keep thinking mm. you know, i remember first reading about the singularity it's like what would happen what's it going to be like when everything's <laughs> happening at once and it's like oh you get a taste of it in the you know on twitter in the nft yeah. space that's kind of like the beginning of the singularity where everything's happening so fast and it's changing so much and there's so much opportunity yeah. it feels like and it's you're and and you're happening to it too i mean like i've, I've listened right. to you say it a few times now where you're revisiting other mediums you used to work in because yeah. it's motivated you to do so right I mean, yeah yeah it's it's like I, I it's so funny i forgot i forgot how much i was into 3d and i mean i was totally before i started painting right before i started painting i was all about 3d animation I was just artistically, it was the coolest thing. And I was making these loops because they were art and it was groundbreaking because no one was making 3D dark animated art loops to function as like a piece of art that would be in your wall. And it's like, I just couldn't, there was, I did some stuff for Tool for their live shows. They worked well for that, you know, but that wasn't big money, wasn't enough to su support myself. And, uh, and I had to just, I, I, so I was like, well, I could put these on a DVD. I'll sell the DVD, you know? And it's like, I made okay, not great money off that. I sold a bunch of them, 
but um, I had to just drop it because it was like, okay, I can't make any money at this. And that's when I went into painting. And I was like, oh, I was kind of figuring out how to, I could see a path with physical art. And so I did that grind and then just stopped doing digital work at all because I just was like, you know, I did the same thing with a band. I tried that for 10 years, couldn't make it happen. So I switched to digital. I, I got into digital art, you know? So once I stop, I would stop something and I'll just focus on something until I can't do it if or it works. And I did that with painting and I made it work and I did it. And then now there's an, there's a reason to, to create digital art and it's, and it sounds shallow or whatever to say, you know, the fact that there's money that, to be made, that there's a reason it's like, that is part of the equation of being an artist, unless you're some tr trust fund kid or you're, you know, independently wealthy, you have to, your art has to make money. Sorry. That's the way it is. Otherwise, you know, I, I don't want to work a shitty job. Some people are okay no. with that. I don't want to work a job. I hate in order to support my art on the weekends. It's just not, that doesn't feel satisfying. There's there's something so powerful about that second part you said there too. I mean, like, I, I think what you're saying resonates deeply with many artists uh, and, you know, it, it shows when you've busted your ass and you just kind of like, this is just logical at this point <laughs> that this is, you know, like it's just a no brainer. Right. But um, to us, to us, I mean, I, I, I respect people who don't think that this is a good idea yet. You know, right. I, not to sound like an asshole, but I'm going to sneak that yet in there, you know, but um <laughs> But at the end of the day, like you mentioned trust fund kids and people who have, you know, uh, comfort in their lives, right? Financial stability, um, independently financial, you know, financially independent folks and stuff like that. I think that the way this space works um, is also helping those people retain and discover maybe some integrity. And here's why, because if you go in there with a bunch of money, yeah, you can pay marketing, uh, have a successful project happen immediately, whether you're selling one of ones or some multiple edition thing, whatever the fuck it is, right? Um, it's all marketing. It's all marketing. Right. It's all fucking marketing. Twitter is marketing. If anybody yep. thinks otherwise, they uh, come, come, you know, sl slide into my DMs. Let me tell you how it is marketing, you know, <laughs> like it's nothing but, and it's just the world we live in. I'm not saying it's good. It's just the world we live in. Right. But part of that, is like this interaction you and I are having. Like we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for Twitter and yeah. NFTs, right? Like yep. the like not on this level, right? Um, God knows how many fucking shows that we've been to where we've probably been in the same room or met some other people or not met some other people in that space that we should have probably, you know, right. just the universe works in weird ways. But for these rich folks to come in and be successful, sometimes they realize that the community that's supporting them disappears really fucking fast when they just start talking about money and not the art. Right, right. And it teaches them and it's a good lesson because I, I don't care if somebody is rich or poor. I, I have I, I no wish doubt. I was rich. I would love to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> be yeah. I, I, yeah, I would love all the time that it would buy me. I exactly. Build a fucking, I literally want to build an Ewok village for adults upstate New York. <laughs> I want to buy property. I, I have a lot of rigging experience. I have friends who do tree rigging. Yeah. Like, I just want to get some arborists together and build the ultimate getaway. But you don't don't dress as an Ewok. That Those are called furries, and you're not welcome <laughs> if you're going to do that. But, but essentially, like these real world aspirations and stuff that even these rich folks have, right? Um, or people who are, you know, affluent. Um, 
I think a lot of them, I, I think, are very welcome in the space. A, because they're putting their money into something and we know where it's going. It's transparent because it's on the blockchain. So we know where the money is going. But right. secondly, it's teaching them integrity and respect. And you to learn how to speak to artists is, I, I think, a lost art. Um, I hate being commodified. I hate being talked down to. At my own events that I threw for years, um, the, the Skin Project in New York, suspension.nyc, mm -hmm. if anybody wants to check it out. I mean, at my own events, unless it's the people that are working the event with me or suspending or know me through the suspension community, nobody really knows who I am, right? And I would not let people know who I am. So I would stand next to people that are looking at, you know, this woman hanging from hooks surrounded in rope, you know, very complex thing. And, they're, you know, they're like, trying to find a spatula to get their jaw off the floor, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm like, let me help you, you know, and, and here's a spatula. And they're like, who comes up with this shit? And I'm like, I don't know. It's wild. Right. What do you think? And they're like, well, it's beautiful. But like, and it, you get this honest feedback, right. you get this like honest response, you know? So I think that's, what's happening in this space now. Uh, not, not just for like us artists and anybody else, but the folks that already had money and already had comfort in their lives. Right. And they're starting to get an honest set of feedback from these faceless entities on Twitter or whatever, you know? And so the lesson there, I think, is that while we tradition, so you know how we're saying like, this is solving a lot of our problems as artists. Mm -hmm. It's also important to remember that it's also about the people who are curating and collecting in the space, because right. a lot of these folks are fucking amazing people. Yeah. While, like you said, a lot of them are influencers and pieces of shit and complete assholes. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I have no trouble getting running my mouth off about any of these people if it ever comes off, you know, but my point is that that's not the that's not it. You know right. what it is is connecting with these folks who have insight. There's a reason they bought your art. They're going to teach you why you created something that spoke to them. You know right. what I mean? You learn so much about yourself if you listen to somebody else's interpretation of what you're doing. And furthermore, they're learning a lot about themselves. They're talking to us right. with respect. They're talking to us with integrity. Right. You know, they're not treating us like some, you know, fucking money bag. At least I hope not, you know, so. Yeah, it's it's almost like the the art, it's like the art world is getting a, a do-over without without any of the um kind of kind of the 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 baggage that the old art world has it's like okay here's a new way to create sell basically sell art and have collectors and interact with them and there's so so many of the artists are new and so many of the collectors are new mm. that they don't really know all of the baggage of the traditional fine in real life fine art world so it's it's like uh it's happening in a better way i guess a more natural way that feels like to me it's like i honestly think um you know a guy one of the guys that bought one of uh one of my pieces said he really liked it but i think he also wanted to see see me be able to make something else in the future like he wanted me to do another one so it's like he bought that knowing that he liked it he could hang it in his gallery but he also helped me to to do the next one that he's curious about seeing that's amazing it's like, so cool right it's amazing yeah. so it's so and it's it's just great to have you know the old uh art uh, whatever you want to call it the old traditional art world not my experience necessarily i've had a pretty good experience honestly in the mm. traditional art world because i've only really showed at cool galleries and never really tried to get in the blue chip world but other friends of sure. mine have have gone higher in that world and it's fucking cutthroat the artists get screwed 
so badly. The people that run the galleries are assholes. They don't have great relationships with their collectors. It's like there's a go between. It's just a nightmare. And they take um, advantage of their employees at the galleries. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. Like it's it sounds horrible. I hear these stories from this one friend of mine, and um, it's just like all of that stuff is gone in in the mm. NFT world, and it's 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 so cool. It's so cool it to is. not, not yeah. have that. And everyone's, you know, again, everybody's supporting each other for the most part, you know, it's like people appreciate your support, sharing their work. I got a, I got a funny story for you, actually a really, really quick one. Um, the first ever <clears throat> big suspension show we did as Disgraceland was at the chapel of sacred mirrors when it was on 27th street. Oh, in New cool. York. Wow. And it was that big uh, space they had right next to the chapel. See, that's and... how cool Alex is, is that he would have a show like that <laughs> when it's like, uh, I don't, I don't think Alex wanted anything okay. to do with us. <laughs> we were, we were renting the space. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he but, seems like but, the kind of guy that would be like, not judge you on that. He runs the kind of space that could accommodate weird, crunchy right. assholes like us to right, come in and right, spend right. 30, 30 people in one night. Wow. Um, uh, to the point where there was a, a friend was hanging from his ass on a spinning beam, and <laughs> the other there's another guy suspending from his ass on the other end of the beam, and they're spinning around like this. You don't hear that's a, um, that's a phrase you don't hear very often. <laughs> well, it, wait, wait till you hear what the position is called. It's called an astronaut. Um, so it was like two astronauts spinning around <laughs> each other in space. So. So I, I'm glad I got you laughing because it gets better. So <laughs> next, I'm standing there with like gloves in my hand, ready to like wipe blood because I, I was still learning back then, you know, um, doing like biocontainment protocol right. shit. And there's this lady standing next to me and it's, you know, Spliff's mom. And I don't know her that well yet. And this is the guy who taught me everything and his mom is standing next to me. And I look over and she looks at me and she's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, and this other woman comes up out of nowhere on my left side and and she's like, that's my son. And and this lady on my other side says, no, that's my son. And it's Spliff pushing these guys around. Right. Uh -huh. And and one of the guys who's hanging, by the way, we put a helmet on like a football helmet on his head because he's kind of dumb. Um, and so he gained the name helmet. Um, anyway, to this guy with a helmet. This lady next to me is like, that's my son. And Tekka thinks she's talking about the other guy because he's so famous in the right. scene, right? It's like, no, that's my son. No, that's my son. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> and and they both come together and they're like, oh no, that's my son suspending your son from his ass. And she's just like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, like I'm in Alex Gray's like fucking studio. <laughs> what is happening? You know, like this is insane, right? That kind of shit does not fucking happen in the right. real world anymore. It's over. Like that is a one in a million. Maybe if you go up to Alex's new spot upstate, you know, that's that's great, you know. Right. But like that culture is, I think, what we're bringing back. I'm not right. kidding. Like this is this is this is the the real like Web four will be where we rediscover trees <laughs> and <Right>. actual physical <laughs> art galleries again. You know what I mean? Right. But those galleries, those galleries will be funded by people who came from crypto and who give a fuck and collectors and curators who are respectful and know how to treat their artists right. like human beings. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So that's, instead that's of that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. So it's like the the tradition that is being created in, in the crypto art world will be carried on into the new real world galleries in web four. Yes, that's it. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's all, uh, your people are going to walk around and, uh, look at your art through, uh, AR, you know, uh, augmented reality right. scopes. And 
instead of trying to zoom in and look at a QR code or something, it'll just show them the artist's name, your website, and you can just swipe it with your finger from a distance and follow, you know, like the future is fucking exciting. You know, nobody yeah. needs to, nobody needs to get weird with us anymore. It's just like, just, do you like the arts? Great. Here you go. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, well, th that seems like a good place to stop. Cause we were at like two hours two hours <laughs> sorry sorry to keep you so long but i have to i have oh, no. to say i i really hope that you'll come back on because i feel like we i could i could have kept going easily uh, uh you're you're an easy guy to talk to and interesting yeah and, give me a give me a couple of months uh as i completely lose my mind and reassemble it sometime at the end of the season i'd, I'd love to come back on this has been really fun cool yeah awesome well so uh for people who want to see your work I will post it in the body of the text, but can you tell them again? On the sure. Um, my Twitter account that has now been suspended a couple of times in a shadow band is Orbtastic, uh, like fantastic, but with an orb. Um, and my website is suspension.nyc. Uh, but honestly, as all things go, you go to my Twitter account and the link trees there and you find everything from there. See everybody, Twitter. Twitter's where it's at. Yeah, the ads are less shitty. And unlike Instagram, you don't have to like lose track of what your friends are doing. It's right. so much easier to use. You know, It is. It's so much better. I like it. All right. Wow. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Super awesome. Loved it. Um, so you just have to say goodbye, audience. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Goodbye, audience. Go goodbye, ahead. audience. Goodbye. Farewell, audience.